1: And Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Vanuatu football on the world stage. Fiji Sevens coach Gareth Baber reflects on his first season, and Test Rugby comes to the Cook Islands. But first, the Pacific Games Council will hold an emergency meeting this week to discuss the Tongan government's decision to withdraw their support for hosting the 2019 Pacific Games. More than 40 delegates representing 17 sports discussed the matter at a special general meeting of the Tonga Sports Associations and National Olympic Committee on Monday. The Secretary-General of Tasanok, Takitoa Tamoipia, says they remain hopeful the government will change its mind.
2: I think it's a very unfortunate decision that the government has given out uh, without any consultation with uh, the other two parties that are involved in this whole uh, host of change. There are three parties involved here. It's the Pacific Games Council. And then the case was awarded to Tastanok, supported by the government of the day, back in 2012, to underwrite all the costs. We were not consulted, and that's why there's a concern from our members, the National Federation, of what actually happened, because the government has given the reason that it is financial, but uh, we have worked our homework and looked critically and carefully at all these financial uh, commitments, and we, we disagree with what they have given out. Uh, there was a, a special meeting amongst the, uh, the General Assembly of staff And the members were unanimously uh, agreed to go back and, and, and ask the uh, uh, government to, to, to hold a further discussion and map out uh, probably uh, what would be resolved so that we can still host the Games here in 2019.
1: Is there optimism that the government can be convinced to reverse the decision? Because it was only weeks ago that the Prime Minister was talking about building a new golf course, uh, saying in Parliament that he was committed to Tonga hosting these games, and of course when finance is cited as the key reason not to host, then why would you build a new golf course when both the Pacific Games Council and the organising committee in Tonga said it wasn't necessary?
2: See, just what we, we don't really know or understand, because um, there were a few members of his cabinet minister who were not here in Tonga when this decision was made, and uh, now we are looking at asking the Deputy Prime Minister, whom, whom is, or is the acting Prime Minister, the moment to please uh, sit down with, with us and, 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 and uh, discuss uh, honestly what, what's uh, really going on, because he he's saying that uh, the region is financial, yet he's continuing with his COF uh, uh, project, uh, the new COF project, which costs um, even more than what we have been uh, looking at uh, the contribution from government. So I think in the next uh, couple of weeks or so, and plus the returning of the branding Minister, so we just want to, to, to sit down and, and, and discuss honestly what what's really happening. Because early in the month, uh, earlier uh, this month, uh, he was confirming that uh, the game is on and uh, the preparation is on track. And then uh, a few days later... Uh, they came up with a different
1: decision. What is Tassanok's view about the progress towards 2019? Were you feeling confident? Uh, there were obviously still some funding shortfalls, but you know it had been emphasised that there wasn't a lot more that needed to be done in terms of new facilities. Uh, there obviously was support from the likes of China and other donor countries to, to help Tonga along the way.
2: We did uh, table it out and, and present it to the... Uh already in government finance meeting uh, earlier in the, in the month. Our full budget, uh, how much it will cost to host the Games here. Interestingly, the, the contribution from government is not that much. But if we go back to the host agreement, there's only two reasons that the Games can cannot be held here. If there is war or or something of that nature in the country yeah, leading up to the Games. And the second reason is that's a knock. Uh, through its uh, organizing committee uh, are not uh, complying with the agreement. So you can see now that even though the government is saying that they are cancelling the game, we, are, we what we are saying here, their support. Uh, because it will be very, very difficult for Tassanok, for and organizing committee to host a game without the support of its government. Because not only the government has been signing a to underwrite the games, but there are other things like the logistics. There may be head of government, there may be leaders who come into the games, and we need their support on that. It was a question during the, the assembly, a special meeting on Monday, and, and that's what we gave the members. Eh? Even though that they think maybe Tatanok can go along, uh, go alone with, with the OC on the hosting, but the reality is it would be very difficult. So we need the support of government. And, and that's why we would like to ask government to please uh, come back to the table, and uh, we would like to sit down and, and hammer out uh, what's really happened. Even if it's come to reduce the the number of uh, sports programs, because at the moment we we can uh, entertain or, or host ten sports programs that are, that are conducted indoor. So we have already had the the, the indoor gym, the, the hall, and everything here. So it is a minor. Uh, Renovation and upgrading. So if he's saying saying it's financial, then it doesn't really uh, add up when when you look at all these uh, things that we need to do.
1: That's the Secretary-General of Tonga's Olympic Committee, Takitoa Tamwepia. Vanuatu believe they have proven themselves competitive despite two defeats at the FIFA Under-20 Football World Cup in Korea. The Wontox suffered a heartbreaking 3-2 defeat against Mexico in their tournament opener, conceding the winning goal in the third minute of added time. Tuesday's match against Venezuela was more clear-cut, with the South Americans romping to a 7-0 win. But the president of the Vanuatu Football Federation, Lambert Meltok, is keeping positive.
3: We're very proud that we, the first match was really good, so we, we tried to do our best to make the, to really performer. Very good at the beginning with Mexico. It was really uh, very encouraging for Vanuatu football. But we know where we are now in the, in the world map of football. So this is our end. So we take game by game. And the first one, we already did it well. So we're really proud. And we, that's what we wanted to do for Oceania and, uh, and Vanuatu.
1: Obviously, a tough night uh, last night against Venezuela. Seven goals to nil. Uh, you know, a, a pretty tough result, but obviously a very good team coming up against there. And what sort of learnings does the team take out of a match like that?
3: We knew already that you know the South American football is very, it's very difficult. You know, when you plan, you have to, to know, that, they're really good in in improvisation. Sometimes they, you know, they they, they don't play; they they plan that they they want to, they create a new plan. Every time any new player comes in, and they change the game completely. And they have a very good uh, individual skill uh, that makes a difference. We know already at the beginning that Venezuela would come very strong, especially individually and with a collective game. So that's what exactly happened yesterday. Beginning when we started, you know, we had a plan to try to play the first uh, half a uh, strategy that we tried to. Hold them not to score at the beginning, so we, we did that well, but we made two mistakes in the, in the two corners, and then we considered two goals and, and second half. When we came back, we tried to apply you know, the same system that we we played in Mexico, but they denied a lot of uh, possessions of ball. That's, what, that's exactly what they wanted to do, is just to deny possessions of ball, because they know that one or two, if you give them... Uh, opportunity to process more balls so they can create chances to score. Uh, that's what one, one thing that we noted on that. And, and they knew also that some of our players are injured, especially on the right uh, flank. Uh, the, the players that uh, they should play on that flank, they, they are injured, and uh, we had a weak, uh, weak uh, area on that place where, where they put the new players coming in. and they, All the goals that uh, we considered in second half came on that uh, that big uh, area, so we didn't have any other player to replace that that, that area. This is why we considered the the, the six to, uh, five goals on the second
1: round. And Lambert, there's of course one more match to play in Chenchu against Germany. So uh, that that was probably the game that that probably looked the most challenging uh, when the draw was announced. So uh, what what can we expect uh, in the final group game from Vanuatu?
3: Our coach has analyzing the match of Germany yesterday should so try to work out a, a game plan. We ask him, like, like, you know, do we try our best? Because Germany is a very, is a professional, uh, uh, have the, all the professional players in and they know exactly what to, to execute. So our coach is trying to, to design a strategy, a plan to play against uh, Germany and no, Not uh, to concede uh, no, more goals like uh, we had yesterday.
1: That's the president of the Vanuatu Football Federation, Lambert Meltok. Fiji have ended a disappointing weekend on a winning note at the final round of the World 7 Series in London. After missing out on the Cup quarterfinals for the first time since January 2014, the Olympic champions responded on day two by thrashing Russia and Kenya before beating Wales in the Challenge Trophy final. A ninth place finish for the weekend means they finish third for the season behind South Africa and England in the overall standings. Head coach Gareth Baber says it's been a season of learnings.
0: I'm relatively pleased with obviously what we've achieved this year. Uh, A new coach coming in after such a period of success for Fiji. Uh, We finished in third position. Players getting used to me. Me getting uh, an understanding of Fiji rugby. uh, The players that are in Fiji and trying to integrate them into... Some new players coming in, integrating them into the sort of the structure of the Fijian or the way I want to have my group. And yeah, to finish in third place. I mean, England and South Africa have pretty much been at the top of it in terms of consistency this year. No two groups which have sort of seen them through uh, a GB World Cup, and South Africa sort of sorry, uh, Olympics and a South African Olympic team as well. So you know, it's been different. It's been it's good. I've learned a lot about what is in Fiji and the level of competition, and uh, given me some thoughts for the moving forward in terms of the planning for. What we call our off season and then into pre season again as we get towards the, the back end of this year. We've had some great performances, probably most notably Hong Kong, semi final, final there, where we started to play somewhere towards what um, I see as, as the way I want Fiji to play. But also, um, we've had some, some dark moments as well uh, and found some tough situations. But as all coaches know, you know you get a lot of growth from that as well. It's so much that you have to be quite introspective, look at yourselves as a group, strengths and weaknesses, where you operate. And, And work hard to put them right. So um, that's giving me a lot of food for thought.
1: What do you think the biggest learning curve for you as a coach is coming into a completely new environment?
0: I think probably the environment. I mean, you know, Neil Powell has talked a lot about you know the culture of the South African team and where they get the consistency
1: from. I mean, you know, you're
0: a team for a reason, and uh, you know, aligning each other to ensure that you think in the same way and you behave in the same way, uh, so that when you're put under pressure uh, in competition, and that's where we're all aiming to do but there's a consistency of behaviour and the seven that are on the field plus you know the subs and the, and the staff alike all are aligned to, to getting to the, the, the sort of the victories and that takes a while to come together you know in the, in the 15s environment I've like been in it's taken over two years on time to do that but a short period of time sort of five months with some boys who have been there with a the previous coach which isn't, there is no issue it's just that's the way it is it's, it, it was a previous regime with. Uh, some boys that are coming into that environment where i am now and it's really trying to i sort of nudge and push them along whilst competition's going on i think you've got to be very careful to, uh, especially obviously the expectations around fiji and rugby you have to be careful in terms of changing too much too quickly uh, with a view that um obviously you want to keep some some performance level going forward as well and that's important within a rugby environment because obviously. You know, Winning does help for you to develop things as well. Um, but we've had a mixed bunch in terms of winning and losing. But uh, I suppose, in the way that we build the culture of the team, um, the behaviours we look at from the team, and the structures around that to support them, probably the biggest learnings I'm going to take moving forward for off this five months.
1: Yeah, and I suppose, um, inevitably, as you say, coming in partway through the season this time around, you're going to have a full pre season. Uh, you're going to know the players ahead of time. you're you're going to have a, a chance to no doubt look around even more local tournaments and unearth some more players. And I, I suppose going into year two, you, you, you've just got that better idea of, of, of everything, really, and I imagine that makes or, or would make things a, a bit easier.
0: Probably likely to any occupation or career, you know? You, you know. Everybody goes into a new job, especially when you probably go into a line of management and getting to know exactly how things line up, and you get a period of time, whatever that may be, when you do a lot of learning. But then, obviously, that puts you in a better position to probably plan and prep, especially if you're going into another campaign. And, and that's very much how I see it. And The board have, have backed me in terms of that in, in Fiji. Um, you know, I know it comes with pressure being in this position. But equally, like Ben had in his first sort of HSBC series, you get mixed results on time. For me, really, and you I know when the pressure comes, and this is my own pressure, is, to grab hold of those learnings as quickly as possible, and ensure that obviously the the experience and training I've had previously as a coach and as a player, but I put them together and make them I suppose as consistent as coherent as possible for the players, so they can just get on and, and do what they've got to do. and And that's my job is to make it easy for them to approach the challenges they need as naturally as a as a professional player and and adapt and and get
1: over those. That's the Fiji sevens coach Gareth Baber. The Cook Islands will host the Oceania Cup Rugby Tournament in August in a one-off clash against Tahiti in Rarotonga. The winner of this year's event will advance to a two-match series against the winner of the Asia Regional Qualifying Tournament, with the winner of that earning a spot in the 2019 World Cup Repercharge Tournament. Cook Islands Rugby Union President Moana Moeka was excited about the prospect of the country hosting an international match in Rarotonga again.
4: It's not every day or every year that you actually get a game. So, yeah, you've got to really make the best use of these uh, opportunities.
1: And even when these tournaments do come around, um, it's only Cook Islands against Tahiti in the past. The likes of Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea have taken part in the Oceania Cup. I mean, teams are struggling, some teams in the region, just to get a national team out there on the field.
4: Yeah, it just makes things a bit easier, I guess, when you have a one-off game, as opposed to playing two or three other teams. People have got to realise that uh, in Oceania, the, I guess there's a tyranny of distance and um, some teams that fly to some of the tournaments that we hold around the Oceania region, uh, you basically have to catch uh, two or three flights, you know, as opposed to places like Europe, you're travelling in a van and uh, pass through you know, two or three countries in the space of about six or seven hours. So that's quite difficult, so um, teams find it uh, difficult to find the money to, to, to travel. And that's basically what's happened um, this year, where uh, initially only three countries uh, put their hand up at the beginning of uh, this year. And then, um, unfortunately, uh, PNG uh, had to withdraw. So at this uh, stage of the competition, there are only two teams, that's uh, Tahiti and Cook Islands.
1: From the Cook Islands' point of view, in terms of preparation, uh, I understand there was a, a trip to South America scheduled for next month, a couple of international matches there. Is is, is that still happening? What's the uh, situation there?
4: That's not happening. Um, That was a funny situation in that uh, we didn't really know anything about it. Um, The previous coach who we basically terminated, he was actually organising that, but uh, we just heard about it, and um, when we sort of pressable further details, uh, nothing sort of came. So we just sort of passed that issue on the side until um, we got a, um, an email from uh, Rizul asking us, hey, are you guys coming over? And we said, oh, well, we'd never, never had any intention of actually going over. In terms of um, preparation, yes, it's going to be difficult because it's only two and a half months away. We've appointed a, a local um, coach. We're hoping to use some local players, and if uh, funding permits, we'll be able to... Draw on uh, our uh, large Cook Islands population, either in New Zealand or, or Australia.
1: I know there's been uh, some concern in the in the rugby community in, in Cook Islands about how local the team's going to be and, and just how many of those players playing overseas there are. So you know, when you make those decisions, does finance come into it?
4: Very much so. You just bring someone from New Zealand uh, for a week, and that costs you probably tw- two thousand dollars just for one player to so get him up here and look after him and uh, and um, that is part of the, the problem. We have been, over the uh, last couple of years, trying to forge um, relationships with uh, our Islands people in New Zealand to assist in this area. Because um, what I've, I mean, I've, I've just been president for the last couple of years, and what I've actually found, especially last year, is that um, a good 95 97% of the international program is actually funded out of Rarotonga. Uh, that's not sustainable. We can't afford to do that. So we've really got to look elsewhere to try and um, sort of source uh, finance to try and assist us, especially in terms of bringing players from outside of uh, Cook Island together or even um, taking players to, say, New Zealand, where we've had our national 15th team, whilst it hasn't played as many games, I suppose, over the last 10 years. But basically, the the teams have really been um, New Zealand-based. And they've used the players from New Zealand, uh, the odd. A few players from Australia, and maybe one occasion they might have used one player from here. So, um, yeah, it's difficult.
1: If in the past, as you say, you were able to use a lot of players from offshore, the fact that you reckon you may not be able to do so this time around, does that mean that the finances are even tighter than they once were?
4: Oh, yes, very very much so. The Oceania Cup, which doubles up as a rugby qualifying um, tournament, um, was actually going to be held in PNG and um, because of a few difficulties there, they had to look somewhere else to, to hold it. And if the tournament had been held in Port Moresby, um, we would have had a lot of difficulty in trying to actually send the team, whether it be made up of boys from, from the Cooks or boys from Australia or New Zealand.
1: That's the Cook Islands Rugby Union President, Moana Moeka, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Betty Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.